welcome everybody to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. It is good to be with you as always. At our last show at the close of the program, I got done recording and editing and I went online and I saw that the Supreme Court was targeting Roe versus Wade. So we're going to cover that first because that's a big story. It's, it's wiped pretty much everything off the front pages and off the uh, network news. No more. We don't hear much as much about Ukraine as we did. Certainly, we don't hear anything about inflation because the Democrats control the media and what the media uh, chooses to cover, evidently. But the Supreme Court has written an opinion that could possibly overturn Roe versus Wade. And that's been around since 1973. I forget how many unborn babies have been butchered since then. I want to say 62, 63 million but the, the, the main issue, we know that most people listening to this broadcast oppose abortion. I do vehemently oppose abortion. I pray for its end. But the issue here, <clears throat> there's an egregious breach of trust, an extraordinary breach of the Supreme Court's procedure. Someone leaked this 98-page report, this opinion written by Sam Alito. Somebody leaked it to Politico. Now, I have my own theories as to who did it. I think it's somebody, personally, I think it's somebody, I have nothing to, on which to judge this, but I think somebody in, in Katanji Jackson's camp leaked this to the press, to Politico. This is why President Trump put these three men, uh, or two men and one woman, on the board. They are pro-life jurists because they know that Roe versus Wade is bad law. It's unconstitutional, and it's been so since 1973. But this majority opinion, again, was written by Justice Alito and provided to Politico an extraordinary breach of Supreme Court procedure. That's really the main issue. Politico got a hold of this. Somebody, and I, again, I think it was somebody in Katanji Jackson's camp, because these people, she's a radical, folks, and anybody associated with her is a radical. And we found out in November of 2020 that the left will do or say anything to accomplish their ends. The ends justify the means. And I think someone from her camp, I have no way of knowing this for sure, I have no proof, but this is just a hunch. There ought to be an investigation and they ought to find out who leaked it to Politico and throw that person out of government. But that, that's the issue this week. We don't hear as much about, uh, about Ukraine or certainly nothing about inflation over 8%. Everything now is about abortion, abortion rights. And I, I saw a couple of pieces of, of video this week from one from uh, that nutcase in Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren. She was absolutely apoplectic that the Supreme Court would even consider overturning Roe versus Wade. How dare they? These pro-life people, she didn't d deem us pro-life. She called us uh, anti-choice. They've been plotting this for decades. Well, yes, we're in a battle for the heart and soul of America. And the other side's been plotting, too, for decades. Our side right now has the upper hand on the Supreme Court. And you can see why the Democrats and the progressives and their Marxist allies want to pack the Supreme Court. They're not going to succeed, but they're not going to quit. There's no law that's settled. Roe versus Wade isn't—no law is settled. And Roe versus Wade can be, and I think will be, overturned, either by the Supreme Court in the end of June or early July or whenever they look at it, or maybe they'll send it back to the states, where it should have been at the beginning. It never should have been taken up and passed in a, into law. It's poorly written, from what I understand, and it needs to go. 
Something else that needs to go is the Biden administration's Disinformation Governance Board. You hear about this? I mean, I'm sure you have. This is unbelievable. It's something, it's like something out of 1984. It's, it's dystopian. And it's a direct threat to our freedoms. Your freedom of speech, my freedom of speech. Biden's DHS, which has law enforcement capabilities, they will use this disinformation board to prevent whatever the Biden administration considers disinformation or misinformation. Whatever they don't agree with politically, they're going to condemn and they're going to label it as disinformation. This new secretary of this governance board has already stated she thinks the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation. So does that mean that she will flag or censor any dissenting opinions on the laptop? You better believe it. It's like we're living in the old Soviet Union. It's like the Ministry of Information in the old Soviet Union. Whom do you think the Biden administration is targeting? Progressives? Democrats? They're targeting you. They're targeting me. Organizations like the National Rifle Association, pro-life groups, the American Center for Law and Justice. Those are the groups they're targeting. You think Facebook is bad with their censorship? Wait till the federal government gets involved in the censorship business. You're going to see what real censorship is about. We don't need a ministry of uh, whatever he's calling it, the Disinformation Governance Board. We'll decide, the consumer will decide what's real information and what's disinformation, as I think I talked about in the last show. If something's obviously wrong or misinformation, let the consumer decide that. Anyway, it may be illegal anyway. I'm reading in the New York Post here a letter to uh, the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. It was written Monday by Bill Haggerty, a Republican of Tennessee, and it outlined a potential legal critique that could set in motion the board's undoing. As the White House is continuing to try to tamp down public concern over this Big Brother-like panel. Anyway, Haggerty wrote the board may violate the Anti-Deficiency Act, which says the executive branch cannot spend money unless Congress authorizes it. So Congress could kill the funding. Not this Congress, but the Congress that will take over in in January. Republicans are going to take control of the, the House and probably the Senate and kill this. So don't, I mean, don't be alarmist over it. It sounds like it's a threat to your freedoms, and it is, if it if it goes into effect. I'm, I'm not so sure it will. Speaking, I mentioned inflation. The, the Biden administration sees nothing strange about the way the inflation has grown. And it, it's fallen out of the news cycle because of this, you know, uh, this uh, leak <clears throat> to the press about Sam Alito's 98-page opinion on, on Roe versus Wade. It's out of the news cycle, but Jim Garrity at National Review says, as the media tries to dodge the issue, it's currently crushing President Biden and congressional Democrats. That's why the, the news cycle is trying to kill it. It's killing Americans of modest means, which is most of the middle class, and yours truly in, included. The Biden administration's approach, writes Garrity, is, not, is to just insist that the economy is doing great and hope people believe it. Since there's no way a government can spend its way out of an inflation crisis, but that's what Biden and his team want to do. They just ignore it. They say, oh, the, you know, the little bit of inflation for the economy is good. It's a good thing. The media runs with it. And, you know, part of America believes it. But inflation is not good. 
Inflation is the direct result of government spending, government printing of money. Yes, there are some supply and demand uh, issues with that, but most of it is government spending and the government printing of money. That's what's causing inflation. That's why it's 8.2% or whatever it is. The Dow lost a 1,000 points. It was down a 1,000 at one point earlier today. I don't know what it closed at, but that's what they do. The, the administration lies and they just ignore any news that they don't agree with and Americans are supposed to believe it. Well, don't believe it. Another issue, I'm going to be skipping around here. I was going to talk about student loans. I'm going to have to wait till next time. A couple of issues I want to get to before we run out of time. And and this is more evidence, as if we need more evidence, of a, a culture war. Not just sweeping across America, but sweeping across the entire world. There's a Christian college in the UK that's announced it is cutting off support, canceling any future co- cooperation with the famed Operation Christmas Child run by Franklin Graham's Samaritan Purse Ministry because of a single complaint from a humanist, so-called. According to a report from the Christian Concern, the humanist claimed online that it's time for the school to change, not us. Time for the school to change. The complaint objects to the biblical perspectives adopted by Samaritan's Purse, including those rules on human sexuality and biblical marriage. One liberal objected. Christian Concern reported that the school involved is St. Lawrence College in Ramsgate. The complaint was backed by Humanists UK, which is actively campaigning to eradicate faith schools from the education system. Well, of course they would. It's a forces of light against the forces of darkness. That's all it, that's what it is. The school's objectives include a commitment to evangelical beliefs, according to the report, and it started supporting the program to give gifts to children. Last year, this started. The left has issues with that. The, that group explains its goal is to show God's love in a tangible way to children in need around the world, and together with the local church worldwide, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, that's what the issue is. The humanists don't, they, they hate Christ, but Jesus warned us. When he walked the earth, this is against me. They hate me, and because you love me, they'll hate you. The report explained since 1990, more than 186 million children in over 160 countries have experienced support through the OCC. But a single complaint to the school claimed wildly that Franklin Graham is homophobic, and anyone who shares the beliefs of Samaritan's Purse is a danger to children. Obviously, that's absolutely false. So the school, under pressure, eventually folded, saying that the college chose to support Operation Christmas Child, a a charitable scheme which involves filling shoeboxes with gifts and sending them abroad to benefit disadvantaged children. How could that be a bad thing? The college carried out due diligence on Samaritan's Purse and believed its values were in line with the college's Christian ethos. We now accept our research, which was conducted in good faith, did not give sufficient consideration of the wider potential impact that supporting Operation Christmas Child may have on the existing college community or a proper assessment of the charitable purposes of Samaritan's Purse. We have therefore decided not to support this charity in the future. One complaint from one liberal communist humanist, and that's the end of it. That's a college in the UK. But we're going to end on a positive note. Here in the States, it's not all bad in Joe Biden's America. There's a school district in Ohio that says that's the end of diversity day. No more of that. School board members said enough 
is enough with a political indoctrination. The Forest Hills School District, the board voted 4-0 to zero Sunday with one abstention to ban Turpin High School from having the event during school hours or in any shape if school or taxpayer resources, i.e. dollars, are being tapped. This according to the Cincinnati Inquirer. During the meeting, the school board president, Linda Hossfield, read from parent emails that indicated opposition to the event. So you got to get involved in your school, your children's education. You have more say, more power than you know. This has gone on for five years, this event. Some parents said they did not want their children taught critical race theory, which was opposed by several of the current board members in last year's elections. So it's four to zero on this board, one abstention. Voters made it clear in the November election that we do not want to fund social justice and political programming that is inherently divisive, is what Hossfeld read at one point. She read a letter from a black parent that read, quote, maybe their hearts are in the right place. That's being kind. And I respect that, she said, but the implementation is completely off base, biased and offensive. Part of the day was an activity in which students were asked questions including whether they were embarrassed about their clothes or whether their doctor was of the same race as they were. What has this got to do with anything? What difference does it make what race your doctor is? Children are in school to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic, but they don't teach those three, the three R's any longer. This obsession with race is what CRT, race and gender is what CRT is all about. And find out if your school is teaching CRT, it's teaching, and I'm sure they are, if they get their curriculum from the from the state, most local school districts, they don't have very little input in what their schools teach. But if you make a big enough stink at the school boards and threaten to pull your kid out of school and be ready to do it, that's what you have to do. That's why the homeschooling movement is, is growing by leaps and bounds. Don't let these people teach whatever they want to your kid. It's up to you what your children learn. Anyway, I'll go back to the report here in the uh, World Net Daily. To me, I don't understand how this is any business of the students, the staff, or the leaders in this exercise, is what the, one of the board members said. How is this not political indoctrination of students? That's exactly what it is. It's also important to note that one of the guest speakers on their mission statement, it states, unite and ignite people for racial justice. They're communists. They're communist agitators, these people. So this school board uh, member has said that after being elected in November, that fighting critical race theory was important. That's why they got elected, because parents are tired of it. There was critical race theory ideology sprinkled all into the program. What the teachers are taught in professional development is then practiced on our students, is what the school board member told Fox News. The school insisted that critical race theory as a distinct element was not taught, but this progressive agenda in public schools is being taught all across the country. This is how they've gotten a hold of our next generation. They've turned our children, basically turned them against us. They've turned them against their parents in many instances. They've certainly turned them against America. These kids are growing up with this this, uh, mistaken notion that America is somehow racist and we have white privilege and all this other nonsense. Teaching is political, one woke teacher proclaimed in a video posted on Reddit. It's not supposed to be political. Teachers need to tread carefully, but they don't. It's an open conspiracy against anything that's good, right, or moral, or pro-American. If you're pro-American, you're somehow a white nationalist. 
And we're paying big money for this crap. It's being taught in, in your local school, I guarantee it. If you're a parent, you care about what your children are, are learning, you better attend your next school board meeting. They don't want you there. The school boards do not want parents in attendance. I went to my last one. My daughter and I went. There were like four people there. One of the people was uh, from the local newspaper. Find out what your kids are learning. Find out it's your duty as a parent and as a taxpayer. All right, that's going to wrap things up. We, I, I'm sure there are like a half a dozen things I didn't get to that I'll get to next time. But thank you very much for tuning us in. If you like what you heard today, and even if you didn't like it, uh, drop us a note. Leave us a review underneath the program. And uh, if you did like it, hit like, hit subscribe. Please hit subscribe and uh, tell your friends about it. Share it on social media. And uh, thank you very much for tuning us in. We have so much fine programming up at the BMG Network. We have this program. We have uh, the Ken Burns Show. Ken and Mike are starting back their show, uh, I guess, soon. Adrienne Ross has a program. She's taking a little hiatus. She'll be back with us in a couple of weeks. My daughter, Madeline, did a show uh, today that's going to air on, uh, maybe it's already aired. This program hopefully will air this weekend. We'll have another show for you in the hopper on Wednesday, good Lord willing. Check out our columns under the PAC Perspective. And uh, listen for the next broadcast. We hope to be with you soon. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.